And then I grew up a Broncos fan, so uh, I, my, one of my earliest childhood memories is uh, Super Bowl twelve and, and the party that we were having as we all gathered to watch our Broncos get destroyed by the Cowboys. So I, I've never really been a Cowboy fan, but as a Bronco fan, you can't keep hating all the teams that have beat you in a Super Bowl because that's a lot of teams, you know. When Denver goes to a Super Bowl, they lose in grand fashion almost every time. When they lost to Seattle a couple years ago, I told my kids, now you know, you know, what my childhood was like, you know. From the first snap, I mean, we just got destroyed. But I got to get right into my sermon today. Um, in the interest of time, uh, yeah, we are in Orange County for right now. I am sick, by the way, a little bit, so I, I hope to last here this Sermon is certainly sponsored by uh, the makers of Mucinex and Hall's Mentaliptus. <clears throat> it's one of those colds that you get for absolutely no reason when it's 70 degrees outside. So I have, whatever. Uh, yeah, I got it. I got it in Orange County. I got infected there. So um, yeah, as was mentioned, we have, uh, as of today in Orlando, it will be announced that uh, they are hiring us to be the lead evangelist couple for the, uh, the, the church in Orlando, and uh, we'll be helping, yeah, we'll be helping uh, in the facilitation of the uh, conference there in 2020, and so don't, not sure exactly what our role will be in that conference, but certainly as the host city, we will have uh, an opportunity to uh, serve uh, the kingdom of God in a great way, and uh, just grateful for Roger and others uh, who will be uh, working to build a, a great team to unify our family of churches. What an amazing opportunity we will have to uh, really honor our, our church and, and its history, but also look forward to a fantastic future uh, of passing off this church to our children and our grandchildren, as Roger talked about. Amen. Uh, my uh, great friend and mentor, uh, Kevin Maines, who has trained us in the ministry this last four years, as you know, passed away. Uh, earlier this year and uh, you know as we were uh, contemplating the move to Orlando and all of the timing of this it's just been uh, you know it's one of those things when you read about Abraham uh, you know God does not weigh in daily in Abraham's life it seems like there's periods of about 10 years that go by and then all of a sudden God makes things very clear and I I feel the same way in my life I would love it if God and I would commune in this deep earth-shattering way each and every day but it's usually a 10-year period where suddenly God's revelation is made very clear in our life. And, and through uh, the death of our uh, great friends and mentors and, and this call to go to Orlando, I feel uh, that we are going in full confidence, uh, not in ourselves, uh, but in God and in His call uh, for us at this point in time in our life and our, our children's lives that uh, God will be with us. Uh, we feel fantastically unqualified uh, to lead that church, which is probably why we have a great confidence that God is a part of this call, and uh, not that this would have been our choice, but that we are choosing to obey the call of God. Amen? And uh, do I have a clicker? How am I going to advance these slides? Am I just going to say next? Okay. This is the series that we are in in Orange County, and so I'm preaching this sermon next week, so you're just the guinea pig for it. So if you have any notes or anything you want to say, just cut that whole part out or 
that didn't make sense, let me know afterwards. Uh, we've been going through the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, and talking about faith. And, you know, I think when Kevin passed away and when we got the call to Orlando, it ceased to become a cool slide graphic and sermon series on Sunday. It just really became what our life was all about, living by faith. And I think God and his sovereignty chose that topic uh, for us as a church in Orange County as we really need your prayers and your support uh, as we move forward by faith as well. Amen. Uh, next slide. We're going to talk about not of this world faith, which is uh, where uh, the Hebrew writer begins to say, I've run out of time. All right. So that in and of itself means it should be a shorter sermon, because if he ran out of time, then certainly I'm running out of time as well. Uh, and he says, I don't even have time to talk about all these other heroes of the faith as he begins in Hebrews 11 to talk about the heroes of the faith that are our brothers and sisters. Amen. And so I, I think as a child, you know, we have this innate sense of fairness, don't we? Uh, my, my best friend and I grew up five houses down from each other, spent all this sort of time together. And yet even between he and I, there was this innate sense of fairness and as you're growing up, I don't know if you ever split a Sprite or a soda or something. And, and what we would call, you know, the first person to call it was, you split, I choose. And uh, so what you would do is you'd take two glasses and you would try your best to pour, I mean, it's 6.0 ounces into each cup. And if there was ice in it, then you had to form, you know, what's the volume of the ice cubes and, and who gets more and you're literally trying to get, you know, a fraction of an ounce more. Really, in, in terms of fairness, we, our kids, now you see it in our children, right? Those of you with kids, they have an acute sense of fairness. If there is ever an imbalance in the force or if, if a, a penny more is spent on somebody or if somebody gets an extra fraction of a donut or something, there is, there is inequality in the house, and as parents, we have uh, that fail-safe uh, logic, right, about fairness. And what is it? Life is not fair. The sooner you get to know that, the better. The challenge is, you know, with us, though, it's okay, life is not fair is okay when we are on the advantage side of it. You ever notice that? You know what I mean? Hey, life's not fair. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> It just happens to be in my favor this time. Uh, the challenge with this kind of thinking is that as kids, we grow up and now we become adults. And now we're not comparing 12 ounces of Sprite anymore. Right? We're comparing our children. <laughs> who's a better athlete? Who's smarter? Who's more athletic? Who scored more goals? Now we're comparing jobs and incomes and cars, maybe boats. You know, and now we're comparing vacations. You guys on Facebook, right? You know, I mean, it's like you, we've had to, we got so in debt, we've tried to pay off all our debts. We went through Crown Financial, Dave Ramsey twice. My wife and I paid off $160,000 of debt in the last eight years. And now we are debt free, amen? Are you, that, that is a good thing to clap for, like repentance. The the first part, the oohs and ahs, is like, wow, you're in that much sin. That's like, <laughs> they, they let you preach, huh? Wow. 
You're really lowering the bar <laughs> on that. I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm, an, I'm a structural engineer. I've done that for the last 10 years before going back into the ministry. So as an engineer, I just decided to tear the roof off our house, build a second story. And I, I really timed it well because the housing market crash happened right when we were trying to refinance. So all that, more, all that debt we had to then pay off. And it was a fantastic uh, opportunity for us to, <laughs> to repent and grow. So for about 10 years, vacations were like, you know what I mean, like, this is our 80th time at the San Diego Wild Animal Park, you know what I mean? <laughs> and staying at the Four Points, you know what I mean? Look at this pool, you know, wow, they got a hot tub, you know. And, and everybody else gets to advertise their Disney cruise, you know what I mean? They're going to places like that don't even exist, you know. They're, they're going to space with Virgin Atlantic, you know what I mean? Like we're at the moon, you know, our kids are loving it. They've got like a, you know, water slide up here, you know, and. But our kids don't know any different because um, they were stuck with us as parents. So, you know, <laughs> they love nature. They've, <laughs> seen, they've seen a lot of it on their vacations. Um, you know, when it comes to our faith, it's sometimes we begin to compare, don't we? That's a very dangerous thing to do in our faith is to kind of look around us and to see, because now we feel like God is now our parent, and if anything, we should have an advantage, right? We're serving God, we're, we're honoring God, and, and God seems to us to now be the arbiter of all things fair and equal. And so when we see an advantage, or when we see a disadvantage, uh, we come to God with this unrealistic expectation of equality. We feel like we deserve something from Him. So it's important that we look at this whole idea of fairness and equality through the prism of Scripture. Amen? Hebrews 11 says this, What more shall I say? I don't have time to talk about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead raised to life again. Let's just think about that passage for a minute. That's my stall technique to get some water. Seems like living by faith is a grand adventure, isn't it? That's Hebrews 11, 32 through 35a. Well, let's go to 35b and beyond. Others... <coughs> were tortured and refused to be released so that they might gain a better re resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned, they were sawed in two, they were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Now wait a minute. These are all of God's servants, right? Next slide. Uh, I don't know if it was on purpose or not that verse 35a and backwards included all the A-listers. And verse 35b and beyond included the B-listers. But it does seem like there are two vastly different groups of people in Scripture. There are the A-listers, the heroes of the faith that conquered kingdoms, administered, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames. 
Weakness was turned to strength, powerful in battle, routed for not dead, raised to life. Man, when you read the Bible, don't you want to sort of be on that track? <laughs> what about the B-listers <laughs> who were tortured and refused to be relieved? Jeers and flogging, chained, put in prison, stoned, sawed into death by the sword, sheepskin, goatskin, destitute, persecuted, you name it. You know, both of these groups of people were faithful to God. Both of these groups of people walked in the faith and served God's purpose. You know, maybe it's just that the B-listers forgot to claim their best life now. Isn't that a pretty popular doctrine in this part of the country? You just got to claim your best. Maybe they didn't know how to claim it. You know what I mean? Maybe they just didn't know how to become A-listers but that's a pretty popular doctrine because we have a sense that if we serve God faithfully, we will certainly get an advantage in this world. And yet the scriptures say something very different. Next slide, please. Solomon saw it. Even though he had all the advantage, he said, you know, I, I, I've seen something here. I've seen the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. Isn't that true? You know, for Kevin Maines uh, to, to pass away at age 59 out there on the tennis court in the middle of our men's retreat is very tragic for the church. And we definitely have appreciated your guys' prayers and support. Some of you were even uh, there at his memorial. Many of you watched it online. It's so challenging to, to try to discern what God's will is in all of that. To see uh, that two weeks before that, Kevin uh, buried his father, who was not a disciple, but lived to age 90. Isn't that interesting that, that, that his dad, who really offered you know, no contribution to God's eternal kingdom, and yet Kevin, who literally, I mean, you cannot outwork that guy. I mean, that guy loved God and just served the kingdom tirelessly. None of us could keep up with him. And to, to be gone at 59, it's just, we see that God is, is not an arbiter of fairness. And so we have to reconcile this with God. Ecclesiastes 8.14 says, There's some that deserve, and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. I've seen so many faithful disciples whose spouse leaves them and, and, and does everything they can to shipwreck that family. And, and I see the surviving spouse striving to please God, and yet it's a tough road ahead. And, and you just see that, uh, you know, it, it, it's a challenge. Even Christ acknowledged that, that God in his love and in his mercy on this planet causes the sun to rise on the evil of, and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And so what is God's priority with us? If it is not fairness, what is his end goal in this world? 1 Peter 1 begins to talk about it. It says, though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And this is talking to those who came after the ministry of Christ, and certainly that describes us as the church who, who are living totally by faith, that Christ existed on this earth, that he was the Savior of the world, that, 
that we never saw him, but we believe in him. Amen. Said you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith. What? The salvation of your souls. What's God doing in all of this? For you individually, he has worked out a unique path for you to be saved. Now, under the guise of Christ and his lordship, if we will embrace Jesus being Lord, that's why it's so destructive, even in the fellowship, to kind of compare our path to somebody else, to compare our journey to somebody else, to compare our successes and failures, because God has worked out a way for us to be saved. And uh, Roger was telling us a story of a brother who uh, sort of, you know, he was on the sort of the, the, the precipice of the, uh, the Internet and email boom and, and took some uh, code and was able to formulate the beginnings of what we now call email. Needless to say, that brother is set for life and is using uh, his wealth generously for the kingdom of God and to advance the gospel all around the world and is a self-supporting minister. Don't you think like sometimes, God, can you test me in that? Can that be my trial? (laughs) Like, can you just test me with unlimited resources instead of $160,000 of debt? You know what I mean? Like, like maybe it could be me that's self-supporting and just donating generously to the kingdom. Let that be my trial by fire through, through the gates of heaven. Why, why was that not my trial? Would that have led to my salvation? Man, we assume the best of our hearts. We assume our generosity and what we would do. And we got to ask ourselves, are we trustworthy and faithful with the little God has given us to be faithful with maybe the blessings that God does want to, to give us? So I don't know what God is doing with me. I just know that it's a unique plan that will lead to the salvation of my soul. You know, my wife and I faced a a, a very painful journey of infertility. And for those who have faced that or family members who are trying to have kids, that's a very uh, embarrassing, challenging, lonely journey to be on. We thought about adoption. We thought about so many other alternatives. um, And uh, it, it just... When your mind is in that headspace, you become acutely aware of every news story, of every, uh, you know, of, every, of abuse of children, of neglected children, of, of discovery of children locked in some house. Like, your world becomes just deep sadness for the state of the, the children in this world. And you just kind of think, God, you know, we've got a good Christian home, we think. We would love to have children. We'd love to raise a family. And, and it began to really uh, challenge our faith. And I, I remember at the time just telling my wife, you know, God has picked this journey and it's unique to us. And even though we're going to, it seems like a baby shower every weekend of our life and celebrating. And maybe for those of you who are single and have been in the church a long time, it's like, I'd love to be your bridesmaid and so happy for you. You know what I mean? How much is the dress? Oh, 300, yeah. I mean, it's for you, though. I'm excited for you, you know. And I know there is a pain that that resides in the heart of those singles who desire 
companionship. And that is not uh, a sinful desire. I I think Christ himself looked at the city of Jerusalem and said, man, I I have an unmet need in, in, in desiring communion with you, Jerusalem, but you keep rejecting it. And so I know that there are singles who long uh, for that next stage in life. And it is, it's a challenging thing, isn't it, to kind of just trust and hang on to God's unique plan for you that will result in the salvation of your soul. Next slide, please. And so if we are not careful, the trap that Satan wants us to fall into is terms and conditions. All right, I'm going to come into this church thing, this God, it works out. And I I'm disappointed that uh, you said some of the youth and the millennials are maybe not with us because I think this is a uh, it's a gen- it's a sin that's common to us all. But I have seen a, a heightened uh, sinfulness in the millennials in this sense, terms and conditions like, OK, I'll check it out. I, I'll, I'll be baptized and and we'll kind of see how life goes here for the first couple years. But if it's not, and if I hit some bumps in the road, I'm just going to peace out, go to Peru, discover myself, and <laughs> date other people, and post, and sort of smear it in everybody's face on Facebook that I'm, I'm no longer a disciple. That, that, that's hurtful, I think, to people when you grow up with them and you see them uh, leaving the Lord uh, because their terms and conditions were not met in the first term of their Christian life. It's great to hear of 40-year friendships because those terms and conditions, if they existed at that, you you just keep crossing them off. All right. Because that's ultimately what Jesus is Lord means. Amen. That we come to him with no terms, no conditions, but a surrender. Next slide, please. And so this cannot be our faith, an outcome-based faith. Now, it can be if the outcome is the salvation of your soul, and that's the final outcome. Yeah, I'm a structural engineer. And so we try to try to figure out God. You know what I mean? The predicted outcome versus the observed outcome. This is a series. This is an integral mixed into a fraction here under a radical. So did I, am I, I just lost everybody. I need to, I got to get from here to the cross in about five minutes. <laughs> Do never take a temporary short-term outcome and project that on God and make a foolish decision to take back the reins of lordship of your own life to try to get you to a better place. Because you will undercut God's amazing and unique plan for you. And he has designed it. He has scripted it. And it's different than the person that is sitting next to you, even if they are your husband or wife or child, God's plan for you is so unique that you can't just press pause at any one time and see. Have you ever watched a movie with someone that, like, cannot just deal with, like, what's happening? Like, they, they want to know, you know, what's going to happen? It's like, just keep watching, you know? <laughs> and never in the movie is it, like, just good things keep happening, and in the end, it's great. You know what I mean? The movie is just tremendously difficult until the end. 
And that's really God's design for us is he's going to put us through some challenges to grow our faith, to mature our faith, to bring us to a fantastic place of maturity uh, that we can share the gospel with others. And I think when you are stuck in your current outcome, you become much less evangelistic because you're not sure about sharing your faith anymore. You don't know if you want to bring somebody else into your current outcome. And so we've become less and less evangelistic because of where we're at in our life stage. That's okay. God's got an amazing plan for their life. You don't know what it is. You assume it's great when they get baptized, right? (laughs) You share like, I think we should just be like honest at their baptism. I have no idea what's about to happen to you. It it could go from bad to worse, but at least your sins are now going to be forgiven. You know what I mean? (laughs) And yes, you're going to do great things, but you're going to suffer greatly. And then, <laughs> like, when that, if you've seen those honest trailers, that would be honest baptismal sharing, you know. But it's good to share good news, amen. Next, please. Uh, you know what it said about those in the B list? It says they gained a better resurrection and the world was not worthy of them. Those are the people who you want to talk to when you get to heaven is what it was like. To, to live the life that they live. Next, please. We walk by faith, not by sight. That's really uh, the command of God from beginning to end because we don't know how it's going to end. We don't even know what will happen tomorrow. Right? Isn't that what James says? You don't even know that much. So it is truly by faith that we walk. Amen? These were all commended for their faith, but none received what has been promised. God planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. The amazing thing is, if anybody has an advantage, it is us, the church. We've seen the full revelation of the gospel. We've seen uh, the Messiah uh, come as prophesied. We have the prophets. We have the New Testament. We have so much. (laughs) We have such an advantage in our faith. If anything... The world is not fair, but yet God has planned great things for us. We have a tremendous advantage to our faith. As we think about communion, let's just uh, skip to the last slide, which is, I think, a blank slide. Well, let's, before we do communion, here's some questions. This is where... uh, The modern version of taking notes is just take a picture of the slide. Remember like when we took notes and stuff back in the olden days, you know? Now it's just like, there's my notes from church. How often do you compare your situation with someone else and allow yourself to become discontent or robbed of faith? Secondly, how can you reach a place of contentment in your current situation while still growing? You know, God does want to grow us. We don't want to stay stagnant. We want to grow, as Paul said, being content in any and every situation. But utilize the gifts and talents God has given you. Third, are you walking by faith and not by sight? Are you surrendered to Christ knowing that his ultimate goal is your salvation? Because when you think of Christ, if anybody could have taken an advantage, it would have been the Son of God. But what does Isaiah say? He was despised, rejected. He chose no beauty, no majesty, nothing that would attract us to him. Can you believe the one whose 
responsible for the salvation of the world, took no advantage. He became poor that we might become rich. No beauty or majesty, nothing that would give him an advantage over us. But became for us the very lifeblood that now flows through us if we are in Christ. And he was not treated fairly. He did not get a fair trial. He did not get fair witness or testimony brought against him. Uh, and yet, willingly surrendered and trusted the unique plan that God had for his life to lay down his life for us as a sacrifice for our sins so that we might be cleansed and forgiven and so that we might receive salvation. And in between that, the journey that God wants to take us on, we are forgiven, we are cleansed, we are sanctified. So let us be content with that and really serve our Lord tirelessly until we get to uh, meet him one day. Until the faith is no longer by faith, but now we are walking by sight in his presence. Amen.